I'm Cindy Levy, and this is The Barneys Podcast, the show that celebrates fashion, style, culture, but most of all, the personalities who create those things every single day. Sophia Bush has been a TV force ever since she starred in the teen drama One Tree Hill. America watched as the character she played on the show, Brooke Davis, became more outspoken and political. I was like, we have to say inspiring things to girls. I did not sign up to do the opposite of that. Sophia has gone on to star in movies and have lead roles on other network dramas, including the upcoming Surveillance, while never buying into the idea that actors have to stay in their lane. She's a proud feminist, outspoken advocate on many issues, and is always vocal about getting people out to vote. I've known Sophia for years, but this was the first time I had the chance to interview her. So when we sat down, there was a lot on our minds. Voting, friendship, and the anniversary of the Me Too movement. But we started where we always do on this show. What are you wearing today, Sophia Bush? We're in the midst of campaigning and um, hoping that we get to save the world. I'm in my sort of 90s combat boot. It's like Empire Records meets Rage Fashion <laughs> is my mood lately. I think that is many women's mood right now. Tell me about your button because I know it's the most important thing on your outfit. Oh, yes. So uh, we launched this I Am a Voter pin and t-shirt and we identify as so many things in our society, but we don't identify as voters. But I want people to be as proud that they are voters as they are proud that they have faith or family or whatever the things are we love to talk about. Right. We should love to be engaged. Right. We should love to be literally standing up for what is right and literally telling our representatives they need to represent us. So you've probably seen them everywhere, which has been very cool. I have, all over Instagram. Yeah, it's been very cool. Yeah, but I think that's interesting because you're saying, you know, we're sometimes taught we shouldn't talk about politics, right? That it's going to be yeah. divisive and so forth. But this is an aspect of the political process that it's so important mm -hmm. to be open about. And it's important to... Think about messaging. Mm. And we've, we have received a lot of messages. Like you said, it's not polite to be political. That speaks to me to these generations of messaging that have been put upon women in particular. Sit still. Just be pretty. Be nice. Make your husband happy. Take care of other people. Blah, 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 blah. Like all of these terrible messages that tell us to be small. And this notion that being political isn't polite mm. really is about shrinking your beliefs. Mm -hmm. And then what it does subconsciously is tells you the story that your beliefs aren't really that important, mm. that voting doesn't really matter, mm -hmm. that you are just one person. You can't really make a difference. Mm -hmm. You're somebody who has this sort of outsized image to a lot of young people because of your role, first of all, on One Tree Hill, mm. where, you know, an entire generation of girls and young women, mm. you know, one of them, my 15-year-old daughter, lives in my <laughs> household, and I know, you know, how much that whole generation mm. reveres you. Did you feel it was particularly important to use your voice on this issue of voting because you have a chance to actually say to people who are maybe voting for the first time, hey, this matters, pay attention? Yeah, it's so interesting. That show is really something so special. I keep joking that, uh, you know, when Matthew McConaughey says in Dazed and Confused, I keep getting older, but they stay the same age. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. what's happening with One Tree Hill. It, it keeps living lives. And so I joke that all of us in the cast, you know, we're all getting older, evolving, doing other things. But we have this constant swath of 15 to 20-year-old yeah. fans that just keep coming. Well, thank you, Netflix, right? Yes. Because they're all rediscovering it that it's, way. It's so cool. Um, 
that it's meaningful to them. And I think what's interesting is because I am so much who I am, an activist and an outspoken advocate and uh, a fighter for things, that became part of my character's identity on One Tree Hill. Brooke Mm -hmm. Davis became a fighter because I think the writers realized it was easier to start including messaging for her than it was to fight me on why they weren't. (laughs) (laughs) It always pays to be a squeaky wheel. I recommend it. You know, I was like, we have to say inspiring things to girls. I did not sign up to do the opposite of that. You know, and I think they got sick of my impassioned speeches about what a platform means. And they were like, fine, just do it. Well, fine, whatever. Um, And so it's been really special to see that that girl finding her way has inspired other girls and boys to to know that they can too. Mm -hmm. And so to me, when we talk about young people and voting, I look at them and I'm like, guys, you wouldn't listen to your mom or my mom or our grandparents, or your grandparents tell yeah. you about how to live, how to dress, what color to dye your hair, how many piercings or tattoos you can and cannot have. You wouldn't listen to them about fashion. You wouldn't listen you wouldn't listen to them about anything, but you're going to let them pick the leaders that will shape your life, your student debt, your healthcare access, your ability to eventually buy a house and pay a mortgage. Your your entire future rests in the hands of people. And you're not telling them what you want. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your TV roles because you've, mm. you've basically been a presence on TV since 2003 when One Tree Hill started. It ran for nine years. There's huge fan fiction sites devoted to it now, entire yeah. Etsy shops of One Tree Hill memorabilia. So wild. Then you did, you know, a several-year stint on Chicago PD. And now you're coming back, which I think a lot of people are incredibly excited about. So um, how did you choose the role in surveillance? I spent the summer just catching up on on sort of 15 years of missed experiences. Mm -hmm. And then I entered into my working partnership with 20th Century, which is so exciting to, to go and start working at a studio. And suddenly there's all of these things to read. And oh my God. I mean, I read and 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 I read for months. Yeah. And so I would read things and go like, yeah, this is good. But something in my gut would be like, mm-mm. Just this little voice. It wasn't even words. It was just like, mm. mm-hmm. And I, I started trying to listen to that because it was the yeah. first time in my life Good that life I tip, could. by the way. Yes. You know? That voice I've, always knows. So you read all these scripts and you weren't yeah. feeling that, you know— this is it, this is it, this is mm-hmm. it feeling. I didn't have the pull, really, but there was this one script I kept thinking about. And the irony was that it didn't fit for me. It was a script written about a woman who's a decade ahead of where I am in her life and, and all of these things, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. And, and it was like a light bulb went off, and I thought to myself, oh, I actually can change that. Mm. This is what I've been working for for 15 years. Plenty of us have seen the woman who's a total badass when she's 45 and running everything, and we go, that's who I want to be. But who was that woman at 35? Mm-hmm. Right. Before who, badass. Yeah. yeah. Who was she when she was on her way? Mm-hmm. Where's the interim? Right. So is that what the show is mm-hmm. focusing on now? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the, the so we, story. We rewrote the show, and I got to sit in and really rework it and and work on the way that she speaks and talks and acts and thinks about things. And we really started getting to the heart of who this woman is. Mm -hmm. When you're the head of public relations and communication 
for the NSA. Mm -hmm. You are the public face of the government's most private agency. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And the woman who we base her very loosely on um, is a woman who had that job Mm -hmm. and was this wildly interesting, hawkish, charming woman who would sit. uh, She was the kind of lady who'd be like, guys, I run PR. I don't even know what they do back there. And then you'd realize she reported directly to the head of the NSA. She totally knew what they did back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Directly to the head of the NSA and directly to the president of the United States. And, like, there's photos of her in the situation room with the president. And you're like, oh, right, 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 right. Got it. So you've spent time with actual NSA agents in prep for this? I actually not yet. Mm -hmm. I've spent a lot of time with government agents, Mm -hmm. more CIA. Uh Uh, Now this is the world that... Are you allowed to tell me this? I mean, I'm like, what exactly am I allowed to say? They're listening anyway, so who cares? Um, But uh, Alexa, stop listening. Alexa, please stop listening to me. Uh, Siri, go to sleep. But that's the world we're I'm getting into now. Mm. Uh, And it is very fascinating. Yeah. And what difference does it make that you're a producer now? Mm. It's so exciting. And, you know, I've always been quite curious about how systems work. I think it's why I'm so fascinated by politics and policy. Um, I I really like to understand how things fit, Mm -hmm. how the machine functions best. And so um, back when we were shooting One Tree Hill in North Carolina, it was a really special time and, you know, obviously fraught with all kinds of craziness for all of us. But I started going to production meetings a lot. I started going on tech scouts. Um, The last three seasons of that show I actually directed, Mm -hmm. which was really fun. And for me, I realized how much I loved all the other elements. So as a director, um, as as a, an actor who was shadowing my producers, I, I tried to learn as much as I could there. And from there, when I went to Chicago, there was certainly more to learn there, but I was also much more restrained than I'd been before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as, you know, what as actors we were allowed to do. And so leaving Chicago and really assessing what historically I've loved at work, what I've not, um, both technically, personally, professionally, all of it, it was very important to me to start thinking about how to have a seat at that tallest table, Mm -hmm. if you will. And I can be an advocate for myself and other actors. I can be an advocate for my crew. But that only goes so far when you don't get in the room with them, Mm -hmm. you know, the room where the planning is done, the room where the meetings are done. And so for me, I knew that I wanted to be producing from here on out Mm -hmm. on on my next show. And to me, the thing that's most interesting, and I think the reason I really wanted to do this show, my favorite shows have been The Americans, Mm -hmm. Homeland, Scandal. I mean, those are my shows. Right. And for me, I'm like, they're all gone. They're done. Wait, what? Where are all my shows going? And I realized I I needed to make the next one. Ah, Because if there's something in the world that you're missing, other people are probably missing it too. Mm -hmm. And and the smart, investigative, political thriller is something I think we all love. And we love to see that world 
with the backdrop of a real person and a real family. And that's what my character is and has. Okay, I cannot wait to watch this show. I know. I was just like, I can't tell you how excited I am about it. It it gives me this feeling in my body. It like, it swells up in my body. I feel like my skin's going to burst. I feel like there's not enough room in my physical person for all of the excitement that I feel about this thing. (laughs) And those of you listening at home, you can't see there's like a lot of major hand gestures (laughs) happening here. Um, That's the the Italian in me. It's like, and this, and that, and this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you were talking before about what it means to you to now be at this table where you are the person who is creating the workplace culture mm-hmm. on your new show and how you've learned from both what you've enjoyed about past sets and what you haven't. And you mm-hmm. referred to, you know, some, I think the word you used was fraught times at One Tree Hill. And, of course, mm-hmm. we know that you and a number of your other um colleagues on that show, women Mm. colleagues on that show, spoke up about the Mm. sexual harassment and the overall climate that you were enduring. Can you tell us a little bit about what you and your female colleagues, many of your female colleagues, experienced um, from the show's creator, Mark Schwann? One Tree Hill is an interesting example because, you know, when they say, like, it was the best of times and the worst of times, we filmed in North Carolina, Our writer's room was here in L.A. Mm. So we had large chunks of time where we were just free and having a great time. Mm -hmm. And then you would know that Mark was coming to town and everybody would be like, here we go. And you'd roll your eyes and and whatever. And it was not okay. Mm -hmm. Like, he was very overt and inappropriate with me in the beginning of the first season. And I hit him in front of a group of people. You hit him. I hit him. Yeah. Like, it was a reaction. And by the way, I think about it, and and I was so green, you know, I was so young and so new, and I, I didn't even know that that was a risk to my job. But he had grabbed you, like physically yeah. grabbed you. Oh, yeah, yeah. like full grope, like d- wildly inappropriate. I then l- much later learned about other people who he'd turned attention to and how horrible he was to Hillary in that interim between season one and Hillary season Burton, five. Hillary Burton, your yeah. co-star. I mean, horrible, horrible, horrible. To Daniil, like, mm-hmm. horrible. I mean, Daniil came downstairs one morning for her pickup to go get in a car to fly to Wilmington because she was, at the time, not having to live there. She was flying back and forth. And he canceled her car pickup and was outside of her house in his car, like, hammered and aggressive and saying, like, they needed to talk. And he was taking her to the airport and they were going to fly together. And she was like, this is unsafe. Mm-hmm. And then it was reined in. And then whatever happened, the the sort of obsessiveness and the backsliding, like, that really, that was so overt to all of us around season five was like, whoa. And then it became like, how do we as a group of women be a protection squad for other women? Mm-hmm. One of the most powerful things I heard you talk about in discussing that was that it made you understand how wrong that question, why doesn't she leave? Why doesn't she do something is? Can, yeah. can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. It's not our responsibility. Every single woman who is spoken to or groped or gestured at or has lewd suggestions made to her or receives late-night text messages from her creepy married boss, mm-hmm. it's not our responsibility. Just hypothetically. Hypothetically. Not hypothetically. It's not our responsibility to quit our job because he can't get his shit together. Mm-hmm. It's his responsibility to be a leader. Right. And if you're a bad leader, then you need to be sanctioned, chastised, punished, whatever, 
or you should go. Mm-hmm. It's not up to us to go. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've seen that's interesting is that people will say, Ugh, why are, why are all these people still talking about it? And what I realize is that when we're trying to close the gap between the reality of experienced abuse and what people perceive to be abuse in the world around them, that the unfortunate truth is that women have to keep telling their stories because not telling them has created this massive chasm between perception and reality. And so... We have to stand in the reality of these experiences and talk about them until we change the culture that permits them in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it's important for me to talk about what happened to all of us with Mark Schwann. It's important for me to to have left my last job, which made Mark Schwann look—I mean, it was like wrestling with a dragon made Mark Schwann look like a puppy. Like, it— It's important for me to talk about it because if I don't speak it, other women don't speak it. And the men and the coworkers and the other women in our lives even don't hear it. Mm -hmm. And it becomes easy to say, that's not really reality. But in actual reality, the truth is far worse than people seem to understand. Mm -hmm. We're now over a year since the beginning of the new Me Too movement. I think there's a conventional wisdom out there that, you know, wow, we've gotten a lot done. We've really changed the culture mm-hmm. and all these, you know, all these bad guys mm-hmm. have been toppled. Nope. You know, if I look even at <laughs> Not your— Not even a little. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even looking at your own, you know, personal career trajectory, right, the the record on these guys is, is mixed. I mean, the One Tree Hill creator was, after the group of you came forward and made known what had happened on that set, was removed from a subsequent job. Mm-hmm. But your co-star mm-hmm. on Chicago PD was investigated for anger management mm-hmm. and was reported to have been looked at for sexual harassment as well. Mm-hmm. He's still on that show. Mm-hmm. How do you feel we're doing? I don't feel like we're doing a whole lot. When you look at my former coworker retaining a job and still being a big face on a billboard. On Chicago PD. Mm -hmm. After what was done to many of us. Me worst, sure, but many of us. Mm -hmm. But no, I don't think things are really changing. Like Tracy Ellis Ross is on the cover of InStyle right now. But she still had to fight pay disparity on her set in 2018. Mm. She's still not being paid what men are being paid. Sure, we've talked about Me Too, but Mira Sorvino doesn't get her career back. Mm. You know, women are still being punished all of the time for speaking up, for speaking out. And for me, all of this circles back to the purpose in being a producer. And what will be different about my set than a set that might be run by probably plenty of lovely men is that the big first day speech that I give to my crew will be about intention, energy, positivity, and integrity. Mm. And what will you say to them? Like, what are the words that you will say to them about what you want them to feel? I know that at its best, our business, while exhausting— I know that a set can feel fulfilling, inspiring, cathartic, beautiful. It it can really have the camaraderie of a band of brothers. Mm -hmm. You know that you're here for your people. I want my set to feel like a trust fall. Mm 
And I want every single person on the set to know that if anything happens that makes them uncomfortable, we're going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do something about it. There is a sacredness and a respect that I will require and that I will show to everyone. Mm. And that if that is violated, it's not going to be like a cute reprimand. Mm -hmm. Everything will be taken very seriously. And in that, in knowing that you're that safe, now go play. Because you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be locked up. You don't have to be worried. We're going to be that safe. Mm. Period. End of story. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, this dream of a better world has been brought to you by the <laughs> one and only Sophia Bush, who's going to help us get there. Sophia, thank, you, thank you so much. Thank you. Sophia Bush is an actor and an activist. You can follow her, if you don't already, on Twitter and Instagram. The Barney's Podcast is produced by Barney's and Transmitter Media. Our associate producer is Oluwakemi Aladasui, and we were edited by Caitlin Pierce. The executive producer of the Barneys podcast is Greta Cohn. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. It helps other people find us. Thanks for listening. And by the way, this is our last episode of season two, and it's been an amazing season. We learned about uniforms from Tom Brown. We heard Kelly Rowland sing, cried along with Alexander Wang, and Victoria Beckham showed us another side of herself. If you missed any of those episodes, please listen now and stay subscribed to the feed for season three, coming soon. One more thing. The holidays are around the corner, and this year Barney's has partnered with Save the Children for a campaign called Make Change. I'm really proud to be part of it myself, and Barney's is asking people to share the hashtag sentiments with a C on Instagram. They'll donate $5 for each post to Save the Children to support quality early education. What message do you think is important this holiday season, especially as it relates to children and if there are young people listening? Mm. So much of my personal activism is inspired by children and by youth. They're, they're everything. They're the future. All of this matters because it's the world we're leaving behind for our children. Mm. And here's, here's going to be my ask to everyone listening. When you post about this, hashtag sentiment with a C, because cents, get it, cents add up to dollars, change the lives of children. That's a really easy way to make the sharing you'll do anyway active mm -hmm. and, and to actually share with kids in need. Supporting Save the Children is great. Thanks for listening and happy holidays. <laughs>